Hello, and welcome to another episode of In the End, a morbidly curious podcast. I'm your co-host, Emma Hitchcock. And I'm Tara Ingman. And we are releasing this episode on November 1st, for all of those of you who are listening to it later, which is All Saints Day. So happy All Saints Day, everybody. Which means yesterday was the most wonderful day of the year, Halloween. Indeed, indeed. What was your Halloween costume? Ursula. I went as Ursula this year. Continuing my theme of dressing as nothing but villains. Uh, (laughs) It's a good theme. It's a solid, solid theme. And like lots of fun villains to go for. Yeah. And I, as one of my friends put it, my cosplay is on point. Like I went hardcore, (laughs) did the full body paint bustier. I did like Hokator Ursula. So I had a big skirt and the tentacles like foaming up from the earth. And yeah. I looked like an insane person, and it was fantastic. <laughs> it was epic. It was epic. But I felt <laughs> super badass. So I also went to work dressed like that. So meetings were Obviously. interesting. Obviously. <laughs> but yes, so, yeah. that's over, which means today is All Saints Day. Today is All Saints Day, Day of the Dead. So we thought we'd talk about Day of the Dead today. Clearly. Because that's who we are. That's really what this podcast was built for. So, Right? Like, the stars aligned and our schedule, <laughs> <laughs> like, fell on Day of the Dead. So, obviously, we have to talk about Day of the Dead today. Yes. So, Day of the Dead is the Mexican term, like, the English translation of the Mexican term for their, like, local version of the Roman Catholic All Saints and All Souls Day. So All Saints Day is November 1st today, and All Souls Day is November 2nd. So, like, technically, it's Days of the Dead, plural, right? Okay. So it's October 31st through November 2nd. So you see, when you see it, like, written in Spanish, it's usually actually plural, right? It's Dias de Muertos, or Dias de los Muertos is, like, the actual Spanish term. It's plural because it's the days multiple of the dead. Right. Yeah, right at the top, I will admit that, like, although I'm all about this, I think my only frame of reference for day slash days of the dead uh, are Ray Bradbury's short story and the movie Coco, um, (laughs) which I very much enjoyed and thought was great. But, like, I don't know shit about shit. And I'm not Catholic, so I I don't even have a context for, uh, like, the Catholic version of this. I have, like, very little other than, like, there's some like sugar skulls involved and yes, the yes, dead are. visiting the earth and that kind of stuff. Like I'm so yeah. like edumacate me, Tara, <laughs> edumacate me. Okay. I also didn't really know anything about Day of the Dead until I started reading up for this episode. Um, so we can learn together. It'll be great. And actually, I have not seen Coco. Um, so well, I'm glad you that you should. have and can speak to it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I cannot. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So in like actual Catholic doctrine, there are two specific masses that are held. One on November 1st in honor of all the saints, All Saints Day, obviously. And one on November 2nd in honor of all the souls that are in purgatory. So All Souls Day. Um, That's considerate and inclusive of them. Yeah. Yeah. These have been like officially part of the Catholic 
calendar since the around the 11th century is when they seem okay. to have originated. Um, and this these masses are the only two like officially Catholic part of like the Mexican version of the celebration. The rest of it is like not specifically Catholic, obviously not like official Catholic doctrine. I mean, that makes sense. That's like, yeah, there is Christmas mass, but the vast majority of like Christmas activities have fuck all to do with the church. Like, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. So this holiday in general is a holiday that like it, it serves to recognize and honor and kind of nourish the ancestors through creating this kind of spiritual communion with them. Yeah, that's kind of the the point of this whole thing. And although the Mexican version is the most famous and like well-studied and well-promoted one, uh, specifically Southern Mexico, it is actually celebrated like all throughout Latin America with all sorts of different like local twists and turns, obviously. (laughs) So... What do people actually do on Day of the Dead? Everything has this very, like, whimsical flair, and it's very colorful, and it's very humorous. Yeah. It's Which is kind of... awesome, and I respect that. Totally. I respect anybody who has whimsy about death. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Absolutely. I 100% support this. Um, there's lots of, as you said, like, sculpted sugar candies. So, like, skulls and skeletons and caskets and, like, all of this stuff. Um, decorated breads, paper cutouts, plastic toys, all sorts of these types of things. Um, and, like, generally speaking, what people do is they clean and decorate the graves of relatives with flowers and candles and foods and things like this. And then they have an all-night vigil at the graves. And it's supposed to be, like, it's not a specific food. It's, like, the foods those their ancestors liked, right? It's supposed to be, like, stuff that they're... Loved ones. It can be. Yeah, it can be. So, like, the food offerings happen both at the graves during the vigil and in Mexico, at least, like, at home on altars that they make themselves. Mm-hmm. These are called ofrenda. And it's, like, a commemorative gift, sort of, to, like, the de- your deceased relatives. After the holiday is over, you, like, take the food down and you eat it. Um, nobody... Like, when you talk to people about it, they don't actually believe that, like, the dead themselves return and eat the food themselves. But it's more of, like, a the dead are present and they're aware that you're, like, making these offerings in their honor. And they somehow gain some sort of sustenance from, like, the smell or, like, the essence of the food. They, like, take pleasure in this food rather than, like, they themselves are actually eating it. Like, nobody believes that. The, like, living people eat the food. <laughs> When the holiday is over. I think, right. I think we should get, we should do that with Santa so that. Right? Yeah. You don't have to have those like the bites out of the cookies in the morning. Like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Put these out as an offering and then we'll just like eat them while we eat them presents. in the morning. Yeah, that? absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Christmas <laughs> breakfast cookies sounds like a way better tradition to me than, <laughs> than this nonsense. They also, um, at like on both the altars and the tombstones, especially of the recent dead, if someone has died within the last, like, I don't know, five years or so, they will often put up their photo. Um, but after like a certain amount of time has passed, the altars are more likely to be like to the collective dead, like all of your dead relatives, rather than like 
uncle James who died last year type of a thing, you know? So, yeah, what, like, what is included in these altars, the ofrenda? They include candles and flowers. Like, apparently, all of the, like, kind of ethnographic anthropological studies that I've read, at least, um, say that those are the two things that, like, you absolutely must have. The ofrenda is not complete without candles and flowers. The flowers can also be flower petals instead of whole flowers, especially marigolds, which are native to, like, this part of the world, like Mesoamerica. Um, Breads are often included. So there's the um, pan de muerto, the the bread of the dead, which in English is usually translated, I think, ridiculously into dead bread. that's way less cool than yeah, the dead. Yeah, I'm going to call it bread of the dead, no, though, bread because, dead. like, yeah. that's better. <laughs> um, I can't say it, apparently, but yes, it's way more badass. <laughs> so in Mexico, at least, this is, like, uh, often twisted to look like bones. It's, like, shaped to look like bones. <laughs> um, and everywhere you see this, it's almost always, like, a sweet bread. So it's not a savory bread. It's, like, a like a more desserty sweet bread. Um in the Andes, though, for example, it's often shaped like people, some sort of like anthropomorphic shape. So it can be different shapes in different places. In the voodoo doll kind of way, like it's shaped like the person or just a general person? Just like a person. Yeah. Okay. Not like the specific dead person. No. Um, candies and chocolate. This would be like the sugar skulls, the sugar coffins. And some of these are like crazy elaborate Like, they have have moving parts and stuff, and you, like, open the coffin lid, and it, like, pulls on a string, and the skeleton that's inside, like, sits up and, like, shakes. It's, like, crazy. (laughs) If you haven't seen these, like, Google them and check them out. They're insane. And, yeah, there's, like, some YouTube, well, tutorials, for starters, but, um, on how to do some of them, and then there's just, like, examples, and they're crazy. Because, like, you know I love to bake, and, um, yeah, yeah. I have seen these things, and I was like, damn, that's, like, complicated, and then I started going into it, and I was like, oh, it can get more complicated, <laughs> like, never mind. Yeah, these things are super, super elaborate. They can also be made out of chocolate, so you also see, like, chocolate skulls, for example. But also, like, can I just say, sugar or chocolate, when you're trying to do work this intricate, are, like, the two <laughs> worst ingredients you could possibly choose. They are both so temperamental and so hard to work yeah. with, especially in a country that's hot. Like, uh, no. Yeah. So I, I mean, I respect it on several levels. It was like, let me choose the hardest thing I could possibly do and then make it crazy complicated. Like, well done. Yeah. Yeah. It, this it takes like some intense like skill and craftsmanship, honestly, to make these things. And determination, like above all else. <laughs> Um, other types of food are also included very frequently in the ofrenda, like fruits and vegetables and like other fresh foods. You can put cooked foods in them, like especially like regional uh, specialties like tamales or tortillas or beans and different types of meats and things like this. Uh, drinks, especially hot chocolate. And l- yeah, like you said, like things that the dead person liked, like their favorite foods when they were alive are often included. So mine would be covered in, like, pizza and donuts and Coke Zero. <laughs> that would be mine. Okay, but also, like, sugar and chocolate. Come on. You know? Sugar and chocolate and coffee. <laughs> you got to have the coffee. I don't want the hot chocolate yes. so much, but, like, definitely coffee. And liquor. Liquor is also often included in That's the, the other altars. Food yeah. <laughs> You've got it all covered. What else do you need? <laughs> 
although liquor is not often uh, necessarily at like the graveside altars. It's more often at the home altars. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So like sugar and bread are kind of the two most yes. typical uh, foodstuffs that are associated with this celebration, right? And symbolically, they're kind of both the negation of death, right? So bread rises, for example, yeah, and sugar energizes. So they can both be seen as like symbols of vitality and symbols of life as like a negation of the death, yeah. And they're also delicious. And they're also very delicious, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it all works out well. Um, the most elaborate type of ofrenda are called arco. These are these like large, very elaborate, like lattice work structures that are in some sort of shape, often the shape of like an angel or an eagle or maybe some sort of other creature that is hung with all of these like, you know, bread and candies and fruit and stuff in like this field of marigolds. Often these are made specifically for children. So, Like, the first year after the death of a child, the godparents are responsible for the creation of this arco. They take it to the parents' house on the evening of October 31st, where the family, like, makes a big supper that everyone eats together. And then the following day, November 1st, the parents take it to the cemetery and leave it up there for the vigil, which happens, like, that night, November 1st, 2nd night. And then it's taken down, like, the next day, usually. Um, you also, in addition to like making these things and going to do the vigil, they off people often give um, sugar or chocolate skulls, you know, the skulls and skeletons and caskets and toys and all of these things. They give them as gifts to the living friends and relatives as well. Um, <clears throat> often with their names written on them. These are called calaveras. And this is also the same term that's used for people don't do it as much anymore, but um, especially in like the mid to late 19th century, they used to newspapers used to publish these like written verses and cartoons, again, dedicated to living people as like a kind of fake obituary for a living person. Um, So like especially for politicians or other well-known figures like this, they would publish them like making fun of them it's a way it's a type of political satire yeah oh it's a roast absolutely yeah that's exactly what it is Um, i don't know if it was like i don't know if it was just like a reality check like here's what your obituary would say if you died today (laughs) no 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 get your shit together it's a roast yeah (laughs) yeah um that seems a little harsh but all right (laughs) well so like the uh this is kind of a way of like peaceful political protest in a an environment and a government that like often in the past has been very repressive um it's a way to like safely poke fun at public figures because it's like all fun and games and it's like in in the good spirit of this holiday yeah but like actually telling like painful truths that the government may not necessarily want to hear you know um and so i said like these can be like poems basically is what they are. They're little like limericky things essentially. Um, but they also, especially in the 19th century were cartoons and the style of these cartoons heavily influenced Mexican art of like the later decades, like the late 19th century and into the 20th century. So a lot of the kind of images that you think of and like the style that you think of 
when you think of Mexican art, like a lot of this can be traced back to these calaveras published in the newspapers. These are also, uh, you can write these for like your friends and family and like tease them basically about their personal failings, <laughs> which yes. I think is kind of awesome, actually, like reality check for everybody. <laughs> um, you uh, give like skeleton toys as well to your friends and your family. They're often holding some sort of object like a pen or an instrument or, you know, something like this that indicates like their gender or their occupation or their age, like these sorts of things. So it's like a little skeleton of you, basically, you receive from your friends and family. All right. Which I think is fun. Yeah. Um, there's also this, uh, another thing that happens on the holiday is this ritualized begging. It's called El Doble. It's called trick-or-treating. Wait, no, what? <laughs> yes, we will talk about that. Yes, <laughs> essentially. What it is in this version is um, young, like, unmarried men or boys ring church bells throughout the Night of the Dead, which is, as I said, November 1st, 2nd. And in return for this, like, community service, essentially, they go from house to house and they beg for food and drink donations. Then they take them to the church, they like cook them all together over a fire, and they like spend the night celebrating and feasting. Um, this can also like the El Doble can also refer to begging like in the cemetery during the vigil itself. So different like poor or needy members of the community can go around the cemetery during this vigil. And they're often given food like from the offerings from the ofrenda like partly as charity, but also partly in return for their prayers for the dead. Okay. So ritualized begging of a slightly different form than we see in Halloween. But yes, <laughs> similar right. nonetheless. <laughs> um, so those are the kind of the core like Mexican practices. In other Latin American countries, um, like in Guatemala, for example, there are kite flying celebrations in the cemeteries. The kites oh. like... That's fun. I like that. Right? It's cool. The kites, like, guide the spirits, apparently, and you can attach notes to the dead, like, notes, like, addressed yeah. to the dead. You attach them to the kites. Message in a um, bottle, but, like, up. Yeah. 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 That's cool. There are, like, parades and competitions and carnival rides and horse races in different parts of Latin America. Um, the tombs often get repainted at this time of year, and crosses get recarved if they were carved in wood, if they need it. Um, also in Guatemala, everyone kind of goes through the cemetery as a group, like singing popular songs and kind of serenading the dead. <laughs> I like Christmas caroling, but like of... for well, and I also, the dead. I just like that they're <laughs> pop songs instead of like traditional church music, you know, instead of like a dirge, it's like yeah. Christina Aguilera, you know, like that's pretty great. <laughs> Um, in some places, like especially on the coast, obviously, you they send like s little small rafts that they make with like little flames or water or flowers or things like this on them. They like send them out to sea. Um, and in a lot of like urban centers, especially obviously all over Latin America, it's like difficult to get out to the traditional family cemetery for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so it it has become like the occasion of kind of a big family dinner with like different specific regional specialties served at them. Yeah. Um, 
In El Salvador, for example, they leave letters to the dead at their tombs. In Bolivia, the bread is uh, in the shape of like wreaths or babies or ladders, like ascending sorry. to heaven. Those are three <laughs> very different things. <laughs> yes, yes. They you can't are. go from like wreath <laughs> to baby. Like it's no big deal. Like <laughs> okay, well wreaths like. We give wreaths to the dead as well, like at their funerals, right? right? So like wreaths, sure. Babies and like people, I said already, like the bread can be shaped like people. Mm-hmm. This is like, I'll talk about it in a minute, but like I was say, this but, like, is why related babies? to like fertility symbols, essentially. Oh, okay. Um, and ladders to like, you know, climb the ladder to heaven type of a thing, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's just a nice mental image. I'm digging to China. Like I'm climbing, <laughs> climbing a ladder to heaven. Uh, yeah. So like, this is what we do on Day of the Dead. But where does, like, where do these traditions come from? So the Day of the Dead as it is celebrated today kind of began in the colonial period throughout Latin America. And the traditional story that you see most often when you start to read about this is that it's mostly like indigenous native practices. So like Aztec or Maya, depending on what area of the world you're in, that became grafted onto a Catholic holiday after colonialism. Right. Mm -hmm. But actually, um, when you actually like look at the individual things that like the individual practices, Many of them, most of them, are a lot more Spanish than indigenous in character, really. Okay. Like, the celebration is indigenous in the sense that, like, basically every culture ever (laughs) has practices for honoring the dead. And it almost always includes some sort of symbolic feeding of the dead, right? So, like... Like, up to and including animals. Like, some animals have, like, mourning practices. So, like... Yeah, totally. this is... (laughs) this sort of like festival for honoring the dead and feeding the dead across like space and time very generally speaking often coincides with the fall harvest which is a time of like bounty and plenty and fertility and in pre-industrial societies fertility of the land and fertility of the family are often very strongly linked conceptually So this is why you get bread shaped like babies. Yeah. We're celebrating, like, at the end of the harvest season, we are celebrating the fertility of the land, like, both to give thanks for this year's harvest and, like, in hope that next year's harvest will also be good, you know? And it's the same thing with the family. Like, the the land cannot be fertile if the family isn't fertile and vice versa. Yeah, they're, like, very closely linked. I mean, you all... Whether or not the land is fertile, you need the labor to work it. So, right. Totally. Yeah, exactly. We need as many children as possible and as, right, you know, and as much fertile land as we can get. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, like, it's hand in glove. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So, this is why you get the bread shaped like babies. Yeah. Okay. and uh, like like most folk beliefs and rituals, like, you can trace these practices back, like, however you want, essentially, because we're talking about very broadly similar customs in many times and places with lots of local varieties celebrated throughout the entire world, 
and obviously throughout Latin America as well. So like what percentage Catholic versus what percentage like native Mesoamerican you see depends on your viewpoint and depends on the viewpoint of like the particular author that you're reading. Mm. Um, so yeah, but like some of the things that may more reasonably descend from like native Mesoamerican practices, the Aztecs covered sacred wooden images with like anthropomorphically shaped dough, usually made of amaranth seeds. Um, And it did have a special mortuary meaning in a particular month. So, but you made them for people who had died and who had not been buried, like especially drowned people. So like, you don't make them for all the dead, you only make them for some of the dead. Like, is that a continuity in practice? I mean, sort of, maybe, you know, it's this sort of thing, you know? Yeah, that's a I find it's a bit of a stretch, but like, sure. Um, The Aztecs, again, like basically everybody everywhere, made food offerings at the gravesides. Food is like an important part of, of mortuary rituals anywhere you go. And some Aztec festivals did involve sitting vigil at the graves all night. So like, okay, sure. Uh, there was a specific Aztec festival to commemorate, like, the child dead, and that is an important part of, like, modern Day of the Dead, uh, celebrations. What you see a lot, though, is that, like, the skulls and the skeleton imagery in, that you see in Day of the Dead are typically connected to pre-Columbian art. But if you actually look at pre-Columbian art, and then you look at Day of the Dead imagery, like, they're depicted totally differently and they're used very differently, like completely different contexts. So like we haven't talked much about Mesoamerica, but um, like they have these things, the Aztecs have these things called skull racks that are exactly what they sound like. Just racks of skulls that are depicted in like some of their art Um, and trophy heads, like these sorts of things, which are all over Aztec art. It's very different, though, to, like, the skulls and the skeletons that we see in Day of the Dead imagery. Day of the Dead imagery is, like, very characteristically ephemeral and seasonal and, like, humorous. It's designed for the living. It's, like, small and light and transportable. And the pre-Columbian imagery is, like, literally none of those things. It's, like, (laughs) carved into stone. So it's there all the time. It's very serious. It's, you know, like... Totally, totally different. Sense of permanence and kind of monolithic and... Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, yes... More grave, as it were. But (laughs) Nice. Thanks. (laughs) So, like, yes, there are skulls and skeletons all over Aztec art, but, like, they're very different from the Day of the Dead skulls and skeletons that we see today. Um, And they don't... Like, Day of the Dead symbols don't use the pre-Columbian like symbolic language or the iconography for death. So like, for example, in Maya iconography, you put um, dark spots on the cheeks of corpses to like say that they're dead. So like, that's how you tell it's a corpse and not a living person because they have dark spots on their cheeks. But this, for example, never appears in Day of the Dead imagery, like things like this, you know, like we don't they don't use the same like iconographic vocabulary for indicating like death right like we put like the x's over the right exactly i get it okay exactly yeah um so the skull and skeletal imagery of day of the dead 
uh, things have much more in common with Baroque art, actually, uh, which makes sense because that's the same time period as Spanish colonialism in mm -hmm. the New World. Um, and especially a lot of them have a lot of similarities to uh, the Dance of Death. So it's this kind of like spontaneous, humorous imagery that's like in motion, like Day of the Dead imagery right. very much resembles the, the, the Dance of de Death rather than like the pre-Columbian stuff. So early reports of like All Saints, All Souls Day in Mexico um, exist from around the 16th century onwards. And the early reports are of like written by the Spanish of indigenous peoples making food offerings to the dead. And by the late 17th century, Spaniards living in Mexico were also doing this. But these early reports don't make any reference to like the indigenous origins of this practice. And they don't seem to consider it like a remarkable thing. So it's they don't talk about it in a context of like, oh, the natives are like doing this weird thing. You know, it's just Look like how quaint. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's just like, this is what people are doing. Um, suggesting that like the Spanish did not think this was strange or out of the ordinary. Yeah. So if we look at contemporary Spanish practices, like in the late medieval period, we start to see accounts of bread being placed on tombs on All Saints Day and also given to the poor. So like this sort of thing has a much longer history in Spain than it does in Mesoamerica. By the 1500s, altars are being set up in churches with candles and bread. And women are giving ofrenda in church for ancestors on Easter and on All Souls Day. So, like, they even use the same word at this point. Right. The earliest use of, like, the term Day of the Dead is actually in, from Spain, not from Mexico. It's in late 17th century Barcelona. Um, and starting from in the 1700s, they're selling bread of the dead called like different regional names. Um, they're selling it on like these days and it's actually still sold in Catalonia today. Although now it's still called panelette de mort, but it's usually made of marzipan now instead of bread in Catalonia, at least. Um, by the 1800s in Spain, bread and wax figures are being used as part of funerals. So like a lot of these things have closer parallels. It's not that they don't have any parallels at all to like native Mesoamerican practices, but like they have closer parallels to a lot of like medieval Spanish practices. Yeah. And the primary also, foods. Like to be honest, sounds huh. more medieval to right. me. Like, yeah, totally the way that they related to death and the way they were pretty matter of fact about it. Um, mm -hmm. Like that sounds closer to a day yeah. celebrating and understanding death for what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, then kind of like, from what I know of earlier indigenous practices, like, yeah, it's not really their jam. Yeah, no, it's, it's really not um, like, the primary foods of this holiday, which we said, you know, are bread and sugar. They also derive from Spain. So, like, you use bread, not, like, tortilla or some other corn-based dish. Yeah, like, bread right. is something that's brought by the Spanish. Sugar also is brought to the Americas by the Spanish. Like, there are kind of native American foods used, like, 
tamales and chocolate are some of the ones I mentioned. But like these aren't the main feature. Like the two primary foods are like of Spanish derivation, not of like native, you know, American. Um, and all over Europe, like from the medieval period onward, sweets are a very common association with All Souls Day. So like today, even this is still true. Similar kind of bread and cookies are sold all over Spain. Um, and they're all called some variation on like bread of the dead. They are sometimes but not always shaped like bones or people and things like this that we see in Latin America. Um, in Sicily as well, in like southern Italy, you even see this. The, these uh, they're called di morti. There, these like sugar things, which is like has the same meaning, um, like sugary cookie things that are sold like around this time of year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the first sculpted images for Day of the Dead are referenced in mid eighteenth century Mexico, like. By this time, the holiday clearly had gained many of its modern associations, as well as the name. And you see references to like sugar sculptures being made for the dead and as gifts for children Um, and figurines of like skulls and coffins and tombstones and things like this are for sale. And the references that we have make it clear that like it has this kind of whimsical tone already in the 18th century. Today... By the mid 20th century, Day of the Dead was starting to become a much less prominent holiday. It was like a minor holiday on the religious calendar that not everybody even celebrated. But then in the late 1960s and 70s, the Mexican government like really actively promoted it and invested really heavily in infrastructure to areas that were still celebrating it so that tourists could get there. Um, And it became, as a result of this, became much more widely celebrated than it ever had been. And now it's a huge source of tourism, which, like, was their goal, you know? Success. One of my friends uh, (laughs) went there last year specifically for Day of the Dead. So, like, Uh, yeah, yeah. well done (laughs) on getting upper middle class money because she's got the money to do that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like much more political and social and cultural than religious today. Like with this tourism boom, not just from like upper middle class Americans, but also like from urban Mexicans to these more rural areas Mm -hmm. of Mexico, uh, like within Mexico, tourism within Mexico. Um the traditions have obviously become much more codified in a way that they weren't before. And so it's difficult or it can be difficult to kind of untangle like what the traditions were before this period, you know, before it was commercialized. Yeah, exactly. Like now there are these huge fairs held in all of these, like most of them in Southern Mexico, um, these places with these like quote unquote folkloric performances, <laughs> which are like dances and music and song. And they have these like giant craft competitions, especially for like pottery uh, and making of these arcos. 
They have huge open air markets with all of these food stalls. Like it's a major source of revenue, especially for these communities, which are often like a little bit more out of the way <laughs> and yeah. don't necessarily have that much uh, economic opportunity for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. A lot of these celebrations are televised now throughout Mexico. So you can like watch it on the night of November 1st. You can like, there are like camera crews wandering around the graveyard during the vigils and stuff. It sounds totally bizarre. <laughs> Sure. Why not? Yeah, like we live in. Exactly. Like none of this obviously was traditionally associated with Day of the Dead. Like it was not a touristic occasion. Um, And many of these like traditional songs and dances and whatever, like actually were totally made up in the 70s, obviously. (laughs) Um, And like all of this stuff has a lot more to do with the creation of heritage and like imagined heritage than the reality of it. It's become this very like theatrical performance in a lot of places, which obviously has like totally changed the atmosphere of the event. Like where it's really big business, every single family now will make ofrenda and like altars will have altars in the cemetery and they're like, like I said, TV cameras and floodlights and like tourists wandering around between Mm. the graves. Like it seems totally weird to me. It seems crazy. It sounds like a lot, but I just, what I keep thinking of is Christmas in America. And um, yeah, yeah. I started seeing Christmas shit on the shelves in August. So that is terrible. It was awful. Like before I saw Halloween stuff, I saw some Christmas stuff out and I got very upset. So like, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it's Christmas per everything's like Christmas, like, Christmas everything and it's like it has nothing <laughs> it has nothing to do with like anymore really um, right yeah like the church's version of Christmas I yeah. honestly think in many ways if you take the capitalism out of it and the money grubbing part of Christmas it, it is closer to kind of like Yule like the yeah, old yeah, totally. pre-Christian yeah. where it's just like it's winter and this is terrible so let's have a party and have fun <laughs> and I'm like yes absolutely great <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense to me. Totally. Yeah. So I, you know, it's hard to judge them. Oh, yeah. For... I'm not judging. I think it's an interesting example of this debate that happens about, like, authenticity. Ah, yes. Because, like, we as, like, white Westerners, basically, go to these places and participate in these things and then complain that it's not authentic enough. Like, this is a very... But, like, the reason it's not authentic is because we are there. And, like, why are we the ones who get to decide what authenticity is for somebody else's culture and practices? Like, this is what they're doing. And so is it not, by virtue of that, authentic? Like, who am I to be the arbiter of authenticity? You know, like, it's all very interesting. You're getting, like, get into a lot of really interesting uh, debates about this. it becomes like the eternal like hipster. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I liked it before it was cool and it's like, well, right. shut up. Right. You know? Yeah. But you can do that like is it authentic now because they're doing it and it's what they've decided to do? Yeah. Sure. Was it authentic 50 years ago and they did- yes. What you know, I mean, yeah, you yeah, could say totally. yes or no in any of those situations. So like yeah. the the term authentic sort of becomes meaningless really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I, we could talk about this all day, but I think it's very, very interesting, like, this debate mm-hmm. about, like, destroying tradition and authenticity and, like, but it's always from, like, an outsider's point of view and like we don't necessarily consult the actual people that we're talking about when we are like judging them I don't know it's all I don't know very interesting um but another thing that started to happen is that the El Doble the the begging has started to decline because it's seen as a source of like crime and chaos Hmm. um because you can't have like young men running around basically (laughs) it's like the feeling in many places um sure i mean (laughs) packs of young men is probably not like a great idea for anyone ever (laughs) right but like the bells still have to be told yeah so Mm -hmm. and like that is what they like that's what the begging was in exchange for right right so now in a lot of places not everywhere but in many places uh various like religious brotherhoods have taken over the bell tolling duties um and then they may go and do the ritualized begging still but like i don't the 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 funds now go to like the church or whatever instead of more like used to like charity host a party charity fundraiser Yeah, <laughs> basically like a 5k yeah, yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> um and so like while mass tourism has certainly changed the practices around day of the dead it seems not to have changed like people's essential beliefs about the holiday when people are asked about it like they still report many of the same answers as they did kind of pre uh <laughs> capitalization i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um and a lot of people now like take great pride in these huge celebrations and like obviously really appreciate the extra income you know because they run a little food stand in one of these giant markets and like they rake in a ton of money over the course of these three days you know yeah. so like a lot of people who live in these places like we now maybe judge them for this kind of commercialization. But like a lot of these people who actually live there, like are all about it, you know? Um, It has come to symbolize Mexico and like Mexican identity and Mexican-ness, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially in the US, like Mexicans living in the USA. It's become kind of like a self-identifying celebration of being Mexican. And this, this was also part of like the Mexican government's plan in promoting this holiday. Like it was part of a very explicit effort to create a national consciousness and to like create Mexicanness as something distinct from both the U S and Spain. Mm-hmm. And I think this is part of the reason that the like quote unquote supposed indigenous roots are emphasized because like, because of this kind of push towards Mexico, like, to make it a symbol of Mexican identity. Yeah. So, like, it can't be Spanish if it's going to be Mexican, you know? It's a way, the government has tried to use it and has been largely successful as a way to, like, bind together all of these disparate peoples into a single state, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And today, Day of the Dead is, like, very explicitly taught in many schools in the U.S., especially where there are large communities of uh, Mexican immigrants. Uh, 
but it's taught as a cultural festival usually rather than a religious festival. And it's usually part of like multicultural lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, although of course, like evangelical Christian groups have pushed back in a lot of places because they like, don't think it's a Christian holiday, even though it actually is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there are actually, like there have actually been lawsuits about this in different places around the U S like, people not wanting their children to be taught about this. But if you look like any, you know, just basic Google search about this will come up with like dozens and dozens and dozens of children's books about Day of the Dead and like lesson plans for teachers to use and all sorts of stuff, especially in uh, California and like most famously in San Francisco. There are large Day of the Dead festivals held throughout the U.S., although the focus obviously for like very obvious reasons is not on the cemetery vigil because like their relatives probably aren't buried in the cemeteries here. Um, But it's more on the other activities. So like the altar building and the parades and the performances and these sorts of kind of festivals in the U S anyway, are often organized by like schools or community centers, um, museums, art galleries, stores, like the local government, municipal government, um, on both sides of the border, like in northern Mexico and in the southern U.S. And it's used now, especially in the U.S., as a vehicle for, like, awareness raising and for an opportunity to protest. So it's a lot of, like, political messages, especially about labor rights and especially about, like, farm labor, because a lot of Mexican immigrants obviously work, like, laboring on farms. Mm-hmm. Um Indigenous rights, lots of like anti-military intervention messages you see, especially like when the U.S. has been meddling in Latin American affairs. Um, They often like the altars often commemorate political martyrs or victims of like recent or ongoing tragedies. So victims of like dictators or various repressions happening in Latin America people who die trying to cross the U.S. border, like tons of altars to these sorts of things every year. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, there were lots of altars to AIDS. Uh, 9-11 was like a big topic in 2001, obviously. Um, And so a lot of these celebrations that happen in America now combine indigenous elements that like are not present in Mexican celebrations today, or at least not prominent. Um, Like a lot of them have quote unquote, like Aztec or Maya ceremonial dancing, for example. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Again, this is like a creation of tradition. Right. Yeah. Um, But it's a way for the community to like create and bind together and like express itself and to remember itself. So we talked a little bit about this in the celebrity death episode, like rituals are a way to actively create community while at the same time remembering the past. Mm -hmm. And day of the dead is a really excellent example of this. It's also like just on a practical level in the U S anyway, one of the very few occasions for like, Latino communities to get positive media coverage and positive representation and like all sorts of articles and news features and these sorts of things like Coco you were talking about, you know, like it's a rare opportunity for like 
positive representation of these communities in kind of American mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it's something they can own. And yeah. you're talking about like the idea of like Mexicanness or um, Latinness, but that sounds wrong. But like, <laughs> yeah, there aren't yeah there aren't a lot of opportunities uh, for Latinx individuals in America to kind of promote that and to feel yeah. good about it and totally and own it and be like yeah. look how awesome we are like and I Absolutely. think that's great like that end of it I think is awesome yeah totally exactly um and the last thing I want to talk about is like Day of the Dead versus Halloween a little bit yeah so although they do share a lot of characteristics most people if asked would cite the like distinction between kind of sacred traditional Day of the Dead versus like secular commercial Halloween. Yeah. Sure. Halloween, though, obviously also has religious roots, right? Probably in the Celtic Festival of Samhain, Mm -hmm. which is the Celtic New Year's Day, which is on November 1st. It is also, or it was also, I guess, uh, like a day of the dead when the dead were allowed access to the world of the living. Right. But in this conception, they like the dead actually came back to the world of the living and they went around like knocking on people's doors and requesting offerings. And if offerings were not given, they played tricks on those people. So this is like the, you know, origins of trick or treat. Yeah. The histories of both of the holidays are obviously very closely related. So like spirits return in both of them, although much more literally in the Halloween tradition. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And there's like this element of ritualized begging And for all of the flack that Halloween gets about being super commercial, like Day of the Dead obviously has been really commercialized (laughs) in many ways in recent decades. Yeah. So like, I think the one, some major differences in practice that like actually do exist is that Halloween still is mostly thought of as a holiday for children, but Day of the Dead is mostly a holiday for adults. And Day of the Dead has retained some at least of its Catholic roots has retained them to a greater extent than Halloween has retained its religious roots. That's right. I mean, yeah, I think it's degrees of separation there of like, yeah, absolutely. The origin of this thing is so much f- further removed. From absolutely. For Halloween that they're yeah. like, this is bullshit. But like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's on the same continuum. They're just in different points. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And both of them are considered, like, very representative of their respective cultures. So, like, Mm -hmm. if you don't know anything else about Mexico or Mexican culture or history or anything, you probably know about Day of the Dead. (laughs) And, like, Halloween is also considered, like, very emblematic of American and American culture, you know? Mm Um. So the histories, like their respective histories and the overlap between them are generally like very downplayed. (laughs) Which can I just say, I think is hilarious on Halloween because like we had the freaking like Salem witch trials. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it's not even based on like an indigenous American. No, it's like it's borrowed from overseas. And then we were like. Uh, no we hate all of this we're gonna actually wait we like candy though like it's <laughs> yeah totally the logic there is bizarre for it to become like a singularly american oh yeah i shouldn't totally. say singularly american but like 
vastly characteristically American. American. Yeah. 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 Thing. I just think it's hysterically funny. It is. It is. Um, and Halloween symbols in recent years, like, you know, the jack-o'-lanterns and whatever else have, and like paraphernalia have started to right. infiltrate Mexico and people are like very upset about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's causing a lot of like pushback against what is seen not unreasonably so, as U.S. cultural imperialism. Mm. And it's become this kind of rallying point to, like, preserve Mexican identity and preserve our traditions. And, like, it's a big point of academic discourse in, like, I don't know, the last decade or so. That's actually funny because I've noticed... I've noticed bleed in the other direction. Like, a lot of, like, Halloween stuff has taken on um, a more traditionally day of the dead like aesthetic mm-hmm. yeah um so there's bleeds in both directions which definitely culture man like you share <laughs> stuff moves around uh, yeah but because it's used as like i know by mexicans and also our... mexican americans yeah it's right. this very like deliberate statement of identity and culture and like non-assimilation like especially for a lot of mexican-american communities like we do not celebrate halloween we celebrate day of the dead and it is a different Thing. you know there's this like very a different our thing and that is right their exactly and we'll... exactly yeah yeah it's also becoming like day of the dead is also becoming more popular in the u.s especially as you say like as um kind of increasing attention is being drawn to this and like in a lot of major cities now you can see celebrations of it um even where like far far away from the mexican border you know it's being used at, among a lot of like in the U.S., like, non-Latinx minority communities as a way to engage with death in a, t- in a manner that's, like, not common in the U.S. today, obviously. Right. Like, right. it is this act of very public collective mourning, mm-hmm. which U.S. culture otherwise, like, doesn't have a lot of space for, you know? We no. don't have much opportunity or space for things like this. And so a lot of people, I think, are really latching onto this and, like, finding a lot of comfort, I guess, in, like, this celebration. Yeah. American culture doesn't like to deal with death, period. Correct. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) There there is an opportunity, like, forget public mourning, like, just discussion of death in Mm -hmm. public. Yeah. Makes people very uncomfortable unless it is in very specific lanes. Like, it's totally fine to talk about it if it's a tragedy. Like, if it's a tragedy in the news, great. Yes. Yes. Uh, True crime, Americans have a bizarre obsession with. But I think that's (laughs) because there aren't a lot of other avenues to deal with their feelings around death. So they have to, like, they're like, we'll watch Unsolved Mysteries until we can't leave our house anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, like, funerals it's like this is our one moment to Mm -hmm. deal with all of our feelings and if you have any feelings after this we don't care you're done yeah like once the funeral is over all right and we're done now like put it back in in its box moving on (laughs) we will never speak of this again yeah so yeah i I think it's i mean in that like from that perspective i think like that's from what i have known about day of the dead that's what i've always appreciated is it's a very it's kind of a very lovely idea that like every yeah. day we're going to, you know, every year, at least once we're going to recognize that a people die because it happens. <laughs> and like, right. <laughs> we love them. 
yeah. which is cool and like that it still has an effect on you and that mm-hmm. there's a ripple effect through time and space mm-hmm. and like it's a very nice idea and I think a much yeah. healthier way of yeah yeah it's a much healthier way to deal with death than yeah. like <laughs> and so if yeah like if the super repressed American style could take on <laughs> any of that like thank you Mexico and South America because like Jesus Christ I said I said it I think uh in the episode we did like on the grieving process of like my mom died like five years ago and like it makes other people more uncomfortable yeah to talk about it than it does me at this point yeah yeah and it's just funny because it instantly just like they just get like boo-boo face and they can't function (laughs) and they're like "Ah." and I'm like it's fine like people die and yeah no one knows what to say and everyone's right it's like "Ah." Yeah. Like a couple things, like it was my mom and it was a while back and like, I'm cool with it clearly because I'm talking about it. So if we could all just chill, like if we could just like bring it down, blood pressure medication real quick and remember how to speak, that would be great. And like, I just, it's baffling yeah. to me yeah. um, how repressed the average like American is about death in general. Yeah, and I, totally. I don't know if it's just we're so insulated or so deeply rooted in puritanical nonsense but i you know yeah i blame the puritans Please. for a lot of america for problems. everything, <laughs> for everything. <laughs> fucking so puritans like, man everything is their fault <laughs> dear dear south america and mexico please help us <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm sorry if you feel it's cultural appropriation really it's just help <laughs> we desperately we need we need your help <laughs> So, yeah, that's Day of the Dead. Happy Day of the Dead, everybody. And we hope you enjoyed these two little Halloween-y seasonal episodes. Um, If you like the podcast, please, please rate and review us. We would really appreciate it on whatever platform you use. And you can always find us on Twitter at In the End Podcast, or you can email us at In the End Podcast at gmail.com. And we will be back in two weeks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. A bitter middle aged woman with a microphone is not something anyone wants to listen to. <laughs> Except our dear podcast listeners. Mm, Just kidding. (laughs) 